Shiver my timber, shiver my soul. Wait, we're not watching that, are we? I don't think so, but Ah. I don't really remember. Uh, Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to What a Movie, a nostalgia-infused podcast. We are your hosts. I'm James Ferrero. And I'm Nicole Knudsen. And uh, how are we doing? We're doing good. We're doing good. Um... Yeah, I we, we just had a delicious big Italian meal. Um, so, so much that, pasta. So that was nice. And, the, you know, the old bread and balsamic and olive oil combo. Uh, but I'm doing good, just working. Um, for those of you in the Los Angeles area, uh, Last Call of the Toil and Trouble is still going at least through the end of April. Uh, so we'll give our social medias at the end. Feel free to follow me and you'll find out more information about that. Come on and check it out. It's a lot of fun. But that's about all I got. What about you? Um, oh, you know, doing good. Um, it's been kind of a long week of work and it's not even done yet. Uh, but I'm happy to be here recording at the WAMCC. Well, we're happy to have you here at the WAMCC or the WAMCC, as it were. <laughs> what a movie command center. Ooh. Um, but... Should we get into what movie we are watching today? Absolutely. We are going back to the right around after the millennium, the year 2002, with Disney's Treasure Planet. Yeah. Oh, man. (laughs) The the soul sister to Atlantis, the Lost Empire. It really is. I think they are both kind of the redheaded stepchild Mm -hmm. of the Disney canon from this time period. And after tonight, we'll find out which one is more neglected. Honestly, I think it's Treasure Planet. I think so, too. But we don't know yet. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we are watching Treasure Planet. What are the uh, nostalgic connections, if any, that we have to this movie? Uh, I honestly don't have too much to this. I, I'm i sure I saw this all the way through. I, I, I can think of scenes. I'm like, no, I must have seen it all the way through at least once. But... I don't have nearly as much of a memory of it as I do of something like Atlantis, where I was like, oh, I remember the theater. I remember when I went. I remember what happened after. I was like this. I'm like, probably saw it on TV one time, maybe. Definitely didn't see it in theaters. Um, So, yeah, I I just know it was a thing. I know it was a thing. That's about the closest I get to my connection. And it has something to do with Treasure Island. And it's not Muppet Treasure Island, which makes me a little sad. But that's okay. We can't talk about that movie because that movie is a certified classic, so that wouldn't really work for for us here. What about you? Yeah, I think I think the first time I saw this movie, I was in college. Like I oh. definitely did not watch this so even later. when it came out and honestly, I think I watched it like in parts on YouTube for free. <laughs> Part one of Because I was like, I've never seen this movie. I want, where can I get it for free, for free. and Just illegally? What if it's um, bad? I don't want to spend money on it. Uh, but yeah, I think that was the first time I had watched this. And I think it remains the only time that I've watched it all the way through. Uh, but this movie may have been the first like feature length rendition of the story of treasure island that i ever saw um barring the vignette in the page master the very long vignette where they still doesn't count are in the the realm of of treasure island um but uh yeah that also, the same as you, very, very minimal connection to this, but there is a quote from this movie that I 
think about quite a lot. Uh, it has been memeified in the intervening years. That's how you know it's good. And I just need to read it to you. I have it pulled up on my phone. It is, uh, I forget the actual character's name, but it is the character voiced by David Hyde Pierce in this film. Dang it, Jim, I'm an astronomer, not a doctor. I mean, I am a doctor, but I'm not that kind of doctor. I have a doctorate. It's not the same thing. You can't help people with a doctorate. You just sit there and you're useless. And I think about this quote a lot. Nice little Star Trek reference, too. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> damn it, Jim. They oh, dang knew, it, Jim. They, they, they knew what they were doing. Yeah, they knew what's up. Um, yeah, that quote and a couple of moments I remember very clearly. And other than that, it's all a bit hazy. It's just, hey, there's space pirates. And if you want pirate pirates or comedy pirates, go watch Our Flag Means Death, which is my new obsession. If you haven't seen that yet, go to HBO and watch it right now. Just go do it. Do it. Do it. See? You... Make it so HBO cannot refuse to to greenlight a second season. You brought up such a visceral memory of college specifically. And we were talking about this recently. We're like... When we were in college, like, streaming was starting to kind of come in, but not really. It was just Netflix. It was, yeah, it was really just Netflix. And Hulu and, to a certain extent, but Hulu was very different yeah, in it, our it, college years. It, it, it was very different. So it was not nearly as mainstream as it is now. And I remember watching movies on YouTube in parts, like in, like, you know, 10 or 11 or 12 parts. Yep. Just like one after the other, I think, and especially freshman year when, you know, you didn't know as many people, you hadn't quite made your connections yet. And I would sit in my dorm room and I'd watch, I'd watch their movies like that. Like, uh, I think that's how I watched Watership Down for the first time was on <laughs> that's YouTube. An experience. Oh, yeah. And then I walked to the dining hall by myself feeling very depressed, but also contemplative, I suppose. We'll talk about that movie later on this podcast. At some point. Wow. If you want a happy-go-lucky time, don't watch that movie. Uh, so Rabbit those, death. So those are our uh, nostalgic, question mark, connections to this movie. I'm Ron Burgundy. And uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how well do we think we remember the plot? This one's kind of tricky because it is ju- it's literally just Treasure Island. I mean, it's Treasure Island, so it's like, I don't know, like a 6 probably. Uh, what about you? Yeah, um, like a Five or six, something like that. All right. Um, do you want to? Should want? Do you want to recap it? Should I try to recap it? Um, should we tag team? Well, you know what? Or do we want to just list the moments that we remember? Actually, you know what? Though you said that this was your first real exposure to Treasure Island. Yes. I had already seen Muppet Treasure Island when I was growing up, so I already had an idea of the story. So I remember the story quite well. I think because of that, because this was your first time. And you have less of a reference point. I know you saw Muppet Treasure Island later, but yeah. let's go on the the eight, like the years here. Why don't you give us our our recap? Um, Jim Hawkins is a sad, lonely boy who wants adventure and has daddy issues. Pip, a poor child, had a difficult and tough life. For any of you who were in Loxa ninth grade English, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Sorry, I digress. Um, and he somehow winds up. On a pirate ship, which is uh, secretly the ship of, or no, it's not Long John Silver's ship, who is in this version a cyborg. Um, Long John Cyborg. But he winds up on a ship that is captained by an uh, animated cat person voiced by Emma Thompson. Um, Oof. And... Wow. There's a lot of, there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> yep. And uh, I think the David Hyde Pierce character is also 
like a friend of Jim who goes along on this adventure and then they're all trying to find Treasure Planet and all of the the crew that he's on and also Long John Silver's crew or whatever that this version's of the character's name is. Um, they're all trying to get to Treasure Planet because they all think it's going to solve all of their problems and uh, shenanigans happen and people get lost in the depths of space. Um, shenanigans, like murder. Like murder. <laughs> and uh, throwing uh, throwing people overboard into the depths of space or just the depths. I'm not sure where that happens. Um, and uh, We're blowing they, them out of the air ducts a la alien. They find Treasure Planet, but the real treasure was the friends they made along the way. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, she's not gonna. Yeah, she did. She went there. Um, so it's very, very hazy. The treasure was inside you all along. <laughs> yeah. No, fuck that. Where's my gold? Where's my space? Yeah, gold? and it's the you know surrogate father son relationship that develops between Jim and Cyborg Long John Silver. <laughs> Cyborg Silvers. Yes. Um, yeah, that's that's what I remember about. Treasure Planet slash Treasure Island. This is just Terminator 2, isn't it? Maybe. What? Wow. Let's watch that instead. (laughs) No, 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 no. We already committed. Nostalgia-infused grades? Well, let's see. Um, Like I said, I don't really remember seeing this the first time. I know I have. I don't really have any nostalgic love for it, per se. I mean, of what I recall, it was harmless enough. I, I don't remember thinking it was horrible um but i don't know i'll give it like a c plus c plus for uh for effort yeah i think i will be in that same ballpark i'm gonna give it a b minus because i i remembered liking it when i watched it in parts on youtube and that is a clear thought that i remember having however i have not sought this film out since so clearly it didn't make that much of an impression upon me apart from that one quote that i read for you earlier the treasure for you was not the friends you made along the way well it wasn't my journey where i could make friends i was watching someone else's journey how's that i mean i was probably like you alone in my dorm room watching this on my laptop from college it's (laughs) such a visceral memory man that takes me back kids today don't know what Mm -hmm. they're missing Going through YouTube and watching a movie in 12 parts. I definitely watched The Rescuers for the first time (laughs) that way. And uh, The Rescuers, bona fide classic, um, great movie. We did rewatch that recently. Well, you had never seen it. No, I had seen it. I thought, okay. No, it it had just been a long time. I had seen it more recently than you You, had. You had. And I was like, well, I don't know. It doesn't hold up. I was shocked how good that movie is. It's so sweet. And we followed that up with The Rescuers Down Under, which I did remember and already loved and still love. Yep. Excellent follow uh, But we are not here to talk about either of the rescuers. No, unfortunately not. Before we take our break hmm? to go watch this. Oh, yeah, we, we have to watch it. That's right. Yep. Um, Got it. We are getting off to a much later start than normal but recording we're this it, episode. We're keeping it moving, though. Keeping it moving. Um, any beverages or snacks that we shall be partaking in? Well, I don't know. We have an I might stick with the wine. Um, I may switch over to beer. I don't know. I may stick with wine. Probably no snacks because I am very full of just so many carbs. Mambo Italiano. Uh, just so much pasta and so much bread. It was great. Uh, but probably sticking with the wine. Yes, I made the uh, Godfather spaghetti sauce recipe this evening. 
And I was very happy with it. First time I've done the entire thing all vegetarian. Yep. And I was I was very happily surprised without it. Very good. Out. Uh, Alrighty, folks, if you are brand new to this show, um, hello and welcome. Thank you for joining us for the very first time. We are going to take a break in recording. We're going to go watch Treasure Planet. We will come back and actually talk about what happens in this movie and go through the plot and what worked for us, what didn't work for us, and the things that are probably in between. And uh, yeah, we will be back soon. Let's not get sloppy just because we are singing. Dang it, Jim. The treasure really was the friends they made along the way. Did I not tell you you had the makings of greatness in ya? Welcome back, everyone. We just finished our rewatch of Treasure Planet. And it's a movie. It's it's a thing. It's a movie. It exists. Um, it was made. Do we want to do initial thoughts or just dig into it? Let's, let's just dig into this one. Um, Unless you have initial thoughts you'd like to go no, over. No, I feel like we'll get to it. <laughs> no. No, it, everything, there's nothing like immediately pressing that won't come up in discussion <laughs> well take it away then um it's nathaniel flint's story time with baby jim mm -hmm. um for this little like would you call it a prologue a little bit yeah it's it, it, it's like a it's like a cold open except the i guess the title card comes beforehand so it's not technically a cold open but it feels like it's a little like we have to set up our story, and our story begins when Jim was a child. Yes, we're going to uh, give you the whole exposition info dump in the form of a children's storybook about Nathaniel Flint, uh, and it's narrated by Tony Jay. <laughs> I, as soon as he started, I was, I, ready for, I was ready for him to just, just be like, stolen goods, no doubt. Take them from her. It's I was like, like uh, Judge Claude Frollo? What? <laughs> Um, I'm narrating children's stories now. Also, like, the beginning of a lot of crazy voice voice actors, like, jumping into this movie. It's Tony Jay's the narrator, and I looked this up. He doesn't have many lines, but for Flint, it's Peter Cullen, most known as Optimus Prime. Which was like... Uh, that's why his he voice sounded familiar. And he doesn't have a whole lot to say or do. It's like one or two lines, but yeah, it's a very recognizable, like voice but i was like oh geez and so already we're jumping right into like and this is like far from the only people we'll see in this yeah um but we're setting up the legend of treasure planet uh the pirate hideaway of captain nathaniel flint who uh you know has amassed so much treasure from like every inhabited world and it's all stashed in this unknown uncharted planet and just when you think another movie is starting off with mass murders much like atlantis lost empire did it's a story we immediately said oh no no it's a storybook it's mm -hmm. a kid reading a storybook so don't take this to heart right now ignore oh. the murder I will say that Baby Jim staying up late reading Under the Covers is just me. Oh, that, that was you? <laughs> baby <Yeah>. Jim is me. <laughs> baby baby Jim is you. Uh, and of course is being, and then is being read the story by his, by his wonderful supportive mother. Who, well, the story's kind of reading itself, but well, she joins yes, in. Yeah, Tony Jay is reading the story, but then she comes in to not read the story, but like, look at the story. 
story with him. It's like, hey, honey, it's time to go to bed, but it's the best part. Okay, fine, we'll finish the story together. Now you have to go to bed. I suppose. Um, Voiced by Laurie Metcalf. Another random little like, oh, cool. Yeah, it was like, I know your voice. I know your voice. This is the first also of many terrific actors that show up in this who don't really have that much to do. No. Laurie Metcalf is... Great for it, those of you yeah, who have seen Lady Bird and amongst other things, she's amazing. Yeah, um, but yeah, not much to do. Yeah, but she's she, terrific. In she this. voices Sarah Hawkins, Jim's mom. Um, poor, also known poor as poor Sarah, Jim's mom. <laughs> also known as Sarah Connor. We'll get to that later. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, and it wouldn't be a Disney film if the protagonist had a stable and solid home life me dad ran away when i was a lad my dad left when i was a wee tween and me dad uh, would never see his face because he was me absentee father no or we spent all of our budget on cgi explosions and <laughs> we can't animate. animate my absentee dad's face <laughs> that's really the reason it's we not can't because afford he wasn't another there. character design <laughs> He would have just been Jim's face, but with a beard. Well, I mean, Jim and Sarah already look exactly the same. And baby Jim looks just like baby Tarzan. Yes. Try getting that out of your head. Yes, they all look like Tarzan. (laughs) They all look like Tarzan. Slash Jane. (laughs) Um, But we smash cut to 12 years later after this very sweet story time that is also the exposition info dump uh and jim uh mr jim hawkins is a bit of a wayward teen he's a rebel i tell you a rebel without a cause (laughs) and uh he's uh, getting in trouble with the local law enforcement the robocops if you will (laughs) they are the robocops except (laughs) definitely less uh less less murdery Uh uh-huh um what a nice change of pace for the police i mean i mean if if, i mean honestly if they had been more like robocop jim probably would have learned his lesson a lot faster yeah um but anyway it's you know he is he he is smashing up private property yeah that is true he does cause some damage and he's also like low-key has a death wish oh yeah he's dead when it starts off it's like oh he's not just like skateboarding down the street you know it gets on someone's lawn like no it's not that like he straight up goes through like a turbine that's like yo you you looked at that and said i might die fuck it that's okay um but uh live fast die young leave a chart up chopped up course yeah but also the sequence is meant to suggest that he's really good at i forget the term they use but like solar surfing it's a wind surfing but into the sky and, and this is where we meet Anakin John Connor Kirk, basically. <laughs> I was like sitting there like, okay, so he can build his own ships, and he's kind of a rebel, and he doesn't like authority, but he's also like got this like destiny ahead of him. I'm like, okay, so we've compiled how many protagonists from past movies into one thing? Yeah. Good work. Um, Good work, movie. Everyman Jim Hawkins. Who can do everything. Who's voiced... Okay. I did. I I did. I did want to touch on this a little bit. Um, Because who voices Joseph Gordon-Levitt? That's what I thought. A baby Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah. Not quite baby, but like you know, younger for sure. Um, 
you go. What did you want to talk well, about this? Well, I, I, I wanted I'm to happy say to bring it up. Well, because I couldn't help but watching this movie, I kept drawing comparisons only with like a lot of the set pieces and the atmosphere to another movie we've talked about, uh, Titan A.E. Very different movies, but stylistically similar. similar. And just looking at your main protagonist in both of those, and in that one you have Matt Damon with a very similar 90s hair rebel kind of character. And with that, I would say that the case of both characters, the way they're written, and Jim Hawkins is very much the same way, very boring, very bland, very standard. It's more of the action washes over them. They don't really have much except for like, I can do everything and I'm your hero. And that's about it. The main difference being that whereas I thought Matt Damon's voice performance was pretty dull and pretty lifeless, I thought Joseph Gordon-Lovett did a really good job voice acting this pretty bland, poorly written character that doesn't really have a whole lot to say or do to get behind. Like, it's just like, just move the plot along, Jim. So he doesn't have much to work with and the writing's not great for that character. I thought his performance was like, not bad. Yeah. Considering that. Now that you say that, I I do agree with that. Um, Because it's just, Jim is kind of a boring character. He's extremely boring. And that's, maybe that's no one's fault. Well, it is. It's Robert Louis Stevenson's fault. I mean, um, but I, I've never read Treasure Island. I don't know the source material. But it was a thing too, where like, and we'll get to this like later in scenes where he gets frustrated or he gets upset about stuff. And like, yeah, a lot of it is like your standard like teenager getting angsty or whatnot, which is you know kind of played out. But he seems to imbue it with a little bit more humanity that I was like, oh, I'm actually like feeling like. I'm not, I don't feel like he's playing at being upset. I feel he's actually upset, mm-hmm. which was impressive given the fact that he had really nothing to work with. No, I feel like I wound up caring about Jim because Silver cares about Jim. And, and we will definitely get to and that for sure. I I do want to talk about their relationship because that is the heart and soul of this movie. I and mean, it's the heart and soul of the story, like the source material. I mean, not to jump ahead too far, it's the best part of this movie. Yeah. By far. Um. But uh, where are we? We have uh, oh, yes. Rebel Without a Cause, Jim Hawkins, who is, his mom is at his wits end, at her wits end about him. Oh, and like and 12 years have passed. She looks the same, except now she has lines under her eyes, yes. which magically disappear by the end of the movie. Uh, we also meet uh, Delbert, who is the David Hyde Pierce character, who is a family friend it's never explained why. It doesn't really need an explanation. It's just a family just friend. A, he seems like a regular, knows the family. Yeah, he's an very... astrophysicist, I think. Um, and and uh, it's David Hyde Pierce doing what David Hyde Pierce does, you know, which Nick, which is great. He's David Hyde Pierce. Like, he does it really well. But it's mm-hmm. that character you would probably imagine, you know, he's very prim and proper and, and does his Highly neurotic. Da, 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 da. Fraser, 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 <laughs> is that you? And uh, then... He is, then the story He is starts. Niles Crane in dog form, to yeah. be fair. Uh, yeah, dog, dog, dog human form? Dog, do, dog um, human Niles Crane. <laughs> uh, but then the story actually starts when Billy Bones shows up <laughs> in a crash-landed ship, and he is not doing so well. Where's Billy? He survives long enough to deliver a very cryptic message and then promptly dies. How rude. Also voiced by Patrick McGuhan, which I looked up. Another random crazy name drop in this was like, what? For like one moment of like, exposition dump Jimmy lad. Yeah. You beware the cyborg, which I'm also okay, how many cyborgs do you think 
exist in the world of this story because they make it seem like cyborgs are pretty rare. I guess they must be rare enough that like it would be odd to come across more than one at a given time. There has to be more than one that maybe, yeah, it is like few and far between. Yeah, because you know, they're trying to because Billy Bones' warning is beware the cyborg, beware mm-hmm. the cyborg. And it's like, okay, is there just one that you have intergalactic space travel that you have And yet mastered. cyborgs I've, are very rare. Cyborg seems like a walk in the park <laughs> compared to flying ships. <laughs> Beware John Connor of the cyborg. <laughs> I didn't take that many notes during this. I mean, because it's a very it's, simple yeah, story. I mean, it's very, yeah. very simple. He, um, he dies. The pirates show up. They smash up the inn. They all escape. Um, the inn is burned to the ground. Uh, also, at this point, like, you know, the action is happening. And we just keep going back to Sarah. And it's like, this poor fucking woman. I know. Just cannot catch a break. But uh, the reason why... Billy Bones has shown up and is saying, but where the cyborg is because he has this, uh, this map. It's this magical little metal Rubik's cube ball. Um, I know that's an oxymoron, a cube ball, but that's what it is. It's MacGuffin cubed. Uh, and it is a map. Surprise! To Treasure Planet. (laughs) And, uh, this mysterious cyborg and his crew are after it. And Delbert upon learning what it is, is very down to spend all of his rich dog person money (laughs) (laughs) to fund an expedition. Where does he have so much rich dog person money from? He's an astrophysicist? Does he come from a rich dog person family? I don't know. Clearly he has a long line of dog people. (laughs) There are are portraits of dogs on his walls in the background. They're just straight up dogs. Not even like vaguely dog-like humanoid looking people. They're just dogs in suits. And he will have offspring in the future as well. (laughs) Of more dog-ish type people? Except that it's implied that the, the male children are dogs and the female children are cats maybe it's like uh, sexual dimorphism that's the phrase that i think i tried to bring up on a different episode and it's where i was hoping one of the babies would be cat dog and it wasn't (laughs) i was so sad just like look just like pan down and it's just like cat dog cat dog Uh, we're gonna go so so ahead of ourselves freaking movie um but uh, it's because there again there's not there's a not ton much to it's... dig into it, very simple also story. like apparently this renowned astrophysicist is all about going to this treasure planet which they're trying to establish is like no it's a legend it's a legend yet somehow he believes it's real well i mean i i would believe it if i saw the map and and also witnessed but like, are you an astrophysicist I mean, I might be more inclined to believe it if I was an astrophysicist, like mm. knowing what is and is not possible. I would have and thought also, it would have been like, like, this isn't remotely possible by astrophysics. Well, he's also hosting the Hawkins family who are now homeless because people, other people, very dangerous people, think that it's real. Mm. And I think that also lends it some credibility. Okay, I'll give it a pass. Because people who know a scam when they see one believe that this is not a scam right here in river city the capital t that rhymes with p and that stands for 
pirates. Planets. Oh, but yeah, pirates, <laughs> I guess. Uh, so they have to move right along to the spaceport, to which we get a pretty cool shot of the moon that turns into a spaceport. Yeah, it's it's so, actually not a moon. It's it's a space station. It's a space station. It's <laughs> uh, the Montressor spaceport. It's both. It's kind of a little halo esque. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like whoa. Okay, here yeah, we go. Yeah, it looks like a crescent moon. Um, I do love that the ship that Delbert has hired is called the RLS Legacy, the Robert Louis Stevenson Legacy. It's like they're sitting there in the audience going, huh, 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 huh. Uh, and this is where we meet uh, Cat Person Captain Emma Thompson. And I want a live action movie where Emma Thompson is a uh, devil may care pirate captain. Once again, here's another moment. Cast Emma of... Thompson on season two of Our Flag Means Death. Oh my God, can you imagine? I can, and I want it so bad. This is another case. Now, once again, you get the legendary Emma Thompson as this terrific character who, once again, not a whole lot to do. It's really a shame. Like, they but start she... off with giving her a lot to do, yeah. and then they kind of forget, forget about her halfway through, and it's like, you have Emma Thompson here. Why are you not utilizing She's this? She's so great. And she's far more interesting than most of the other characters popping up in this. Yeah, she's also just far more, like, the energy at which her character exists. And I know part of that is just the script. It's a 10 like, all times. Yeah, she's always at a 10, which means that she's doing a lot of the heavy lifting compared oh, yeah. to who else she is around. I think the mm-hmm. only other person who is always operating at a 10 is Silver. And we're about to get to him. Um, She's also joined by her first mate. Yes, I want to say. Uh, Mr. Arrow. Mr. Arrow, who's uh, a big rock man. Big, big, a, a rockman. Big, big rockman. Big man made of granite. Yes. Big granite man, uh, voiced by Roscoe Lee Brown, uh, who every time he spoke, all, all I could hear was the narrator from Babe. I was like, oh, I was like, now he's gonna talk about like the farmer knew exactly what to say next, uh, but he's terrific as always. Um, but yeah, they're on the ship. Uh, obviously, they have the map and they want to keep it a secret because, well, this crew is a little dastardly. Yeah, where... Apparently, Delbert hired the crew. Where did Delbert hire this crew? It's a deleted scene that they didn't feel was necessary, but we're like, how, when, and how? I guess it is... Who hired Im- this crew? I guess it is implied that Delbert, while very book smart, is not super savvy when it comes to reading people and i can buy it and i can possibly buy it if silver was the one who did the talking to be like hey hire us on this crew because he's if he was the one who he's nothing but charisma and he rolls delbert is easily uh swayed by someone who sounds confident this is something that would have made a lot more sense in a brief throwaway line yeah and that would have clarified it because as it stands it's like how did he find these guys and how did he hire them? it doesn't make a lot of the sense. weirdest thing to me is that captain amelia voiced by emma thompson and mr arrow were hired separately from the crew which is silver's crew mm-hmm that I don't understand. Yeah. Just a throwaway, a single line to explain why. And I believe, if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken, then if for anyone who's read the book and you have a better knowledge of this than I do, as far as I know in other versions, it's insinuated that Silver either hired the crew 
or had something to do with it, which would make sense. Mm-hmm. And would also, like, for especially for the inexperienced people, it's like, oh, well, let me take care of that. I, I know people. And it's like, okay, I'll trust the cook. There it is, right there. But, of course, he would hire his own men who, you know, are playing in the mutiny. Mm-hmm. But this would make a lot more sense than just like, oh, yeah, he hired them. Unless huh? he hired Amelia and Arrow because they had the ship. And then Amelia uh, Amelia was like, okay, we have to, my regular crew is like on holiday. They're on we strike. need to hire somebody else. And Delbert was like. I'll find them. It's my expedition. It's, it's honestly a little more confusing than it has to be. Um, yeah. All this to say, they lock up the map because the crew's not to be trusted. And they're Jim, all the shadiest looking people. Yeah. Oh yeah. They come on and everyone's just like. Everyone's like, okay. a literal monster. Uh, Jim gets assigned uh, scullery duty with the cook, and they go down, and we meet. Long John Silver. Or just Mr. Silver? Or Mr. Silver. I think that's how he's referred to in the movie. Um, And, uh, gasp, he's a cyborg. A cyborg? And because apparently there's only uh, a handful of cyborgs in all of the universe, Jim is highly suspicious. Um, It's very sus right away. But um, now we've also met probably the most interesting and best character in this entire movie. Yes, agreed. And also, like, his design. like Oh, his, my God. That arm, the, like, mm-hmm. multi-tool arm that he has, it's so cool. You can see that all of the efforts seem to go into this one character, both design, story, and acting-wise. Because, yeah, the design is incredible. All the stuff with the cyborg um, mechanical arm and leg and eye and everything it's where this movie, this movie is a big blend of like the traditional animation and the 3D animation going in. And a lot of the time it doesn't quite match up, I think, as well as they would have wanted. But everything with this character, because it's like the face and everything else is mostly all traditionally animated. But all the cyborg stuff is all 3D. And it, it just, it goes together so smoothly. Yeah, he, his... And it's so imaginative. His design is fabulous it's really it's really quite something and and once again like i mean granted it is this character in in any iteration is always the best character because he's the one with all the conflict and he's the one who we don't know like do i trust this guy do i not trust this guy so like he's he's already has a lot going for him uh voice to absolute perfection by brian murray i was looking this up i don't know this actor all that well Looking him up, it looked like his career mostly spanned on the stage. And you can tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, just pure, like you said, pure charisma. Very, very charming, yet also with like an edge throughout that like you when he's supposed to be scary, he's scary. You buy it. And when he's supposed to be funny and charming, he's funny and charming. And yeah, this is just like you meet him and the movie just picks up like so much. And from this point on, whenever he's off screen, it really does just kind of go... Yeah, and to kind of flip back to the other half of this relationship, with the, uh, which is Jim, I feel like, and again, this is in the writing and in Joseph Gordon-Levitt trying to realistically play the writing that he was given, It's just, everything is so small and mm-hmm. introspective about Jim, which... I am sure works better on the page, but yeah. the scope of this movie, I feel like we've 
had a, a run of films talking about like the scale and the ambition of them recently on this show. Mm-hmm. The scope of it is so big. I mean, it's spanning a galaxy or a universe, however mm-hmm. far they're traveling. Um, and Jim's journey is very internal in this, which doesn't read super well or it's, super interestingly. It's yeah. It would be more fascinating to read his inner monologue, but because this is a movie... And they, thank God, don't do the cheap voiceover route of, like, these are all of my thoughts, because that would be atrocious. Well, it's all voiceover, isn't it? Um, But yes, I see what you're saying, though. Yeah, where it's, I I think it's just the nature of the character and the journey that Mm -hmm. that character is on that makes it a smaller performance most of the time. And and all that to say that I think a lot of times people think, like, well, this is kind of your main protagonist, you know, they're not supposed to be as interesting which I would argue is not always the case, and you can do better if you put a little bit more effort into making them interesting. I was just thinking about this. Their relationship in this is, for any Shakespeare fans out there, it's a very Falstaff Hal relationship. You know, having this like older mentor who's like not entirely trustworthy, but like looks after you almost like a son while you're going on your journey. So like you can have him have more things that are openly conflicting and interesting and make Jim a more fully rounded character than just keep going over the same thing of like, by the way, did I tell you my father left me? It's like, yes, we know. We know. Your dad abandoned your family. We know. But if that's the only thing you have going for you, that is going to play itself out real fast. And it's just not interesting after a while. Um, But yeah, so they meet. He's suspicious. They take off. They're sailing around. You know. And and Silver recognizes that Jim is rightfully so suspicious of him, uh, and decides I'm essentially gonna give this child so many chores to do on the ship that he won't have time to do anything except do chores, eat, and sleep. Um, but then we get the bonding montage, <laughs> uh, which I uh, the montage. <laughs> um, I didn't. I forgot to mention this in the first section of this episode, but the song that plays during this, which is uh, called I'm Still Here. um, Dad. Definitely uh, has stuck with me through the years since I first watched it. I had forgotten about that song until it started playing and I went, oh, Mm -hmm. yeah. What do we think about the entirety of their relationship developing in a montage? Uh... I'm torn about this. The montage is well done. I'll give them that. However, I feel it takes away from what, like we discussed, is the most interesting part about this is their relationship. And we've shortchanged it so we can get on to more stuff that's not interesting. As we'll, as we'll get further into the movie, there's a lot more shtick and stuff that I'm like, all of this, you you could toss all a lot of this out. You don't need all the... Now I, now I know... It's a movie aimed at kids. They were trying to keep making it entertaining and they didn't want to probably stand anything for too long because they were probably thinking like, well, that's going to get boring after a while. The kids won't be into it. But it's a shame because you are missing out on what really could have been a cool relationship to see develop and to watch their trust develop and to watch them both still like, I st- I, I, I'm trusting you more, but also like, I'm not sure how I feel about you because that's their whole relationship is like, do I trust you or do I not trust you? I don't know. Any given moment, it could change. Yeah, and whether or not I trust you, I do like you, though. Yeah, 
we definitely like each other, yet I can't fully embrace you because I honestly don't know if you'll stab me in the back. Yeah, I'm I'm torn about the fact that the establishing of their relationship and the beginnings of the trust between them, we only see in snippets. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I don't know a more effective means of doing it in a movie that is only an hour and 40 minutes. No, that's fair. I mean, and, and we'll get to that later, like I was saying. And I know it's like you got to hit all the uh, all the points, all the marks. So I understand why they shortened it. It makes sense. I would have liked to have seen more. And if it had been up to me, I would have cut so much stuff on the, on the back end of this movie to give them that time. Mm-hmm. Where you could still do it in an hour and 40 minutes, but you could do without... So much of the stuff that happens later. Yeah, I think I'm in the 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 same the same idea of. I liked how it was done. I think it was done successfully, yeah. given that it was a montage. But I, again, agreeing, I would like to see more of that unfold a little more organically, mm-hmm. rather than just the smash cut of all of these different scenes. Um, it also serves the purpose of passing time getting the ship to its destination (laughs) and passing the time getting to uh one of the first big set pieces which is a star goes supernova and starts blowing up and you know shenanigans and then becoming a black hole you know like you do yeah uh so there's a lot of insanity happening here uh this is where we we've also met on the on the scary crew of you know, shifty individuals. Literal monsters. And 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 we meet literal, like, Spider-Man comes crawling out. And not the fun neighborhood kind. No, no, definitely not the fun neighborhood kind, but, like, the nightmare-inducing one. Uh-huh. Um, voiced by Michael Wincott, who I, I only know from The Crow, playing a very similar character of, like, I have a low voice and I am scary all the time. I forgot about that character until... And his until- Scroop! Until he appeared, and I was like, "Ah, fuck! That's right. Oh, yeah, you're the one who kills. You're uh, the Mr. creepier actor. Yes, and so that leads to that of Scroop cutting the rope uh, during the storm, sending Mister Arrow flying into the abyss of the black hole. There's a lot of flying into space and eventually to your death in this, this movie. Th- yeah, this was around that time of uh, all all of our characters who die will fall to a death that we will not see. Mm-hmm. They just drift off, which I know was meant to be like, well, we don't want to be graphic. We don't want to show stuff. But when you think about it, it's a little bit more terrifying to think like, oh, if I saw you die, it'd be scary, but you're dead. But no, you're just flying into a black hole. What does that mean? Where are you going? I don't know. What's is like? Are your eyes gonna pop out and your body's just gonna like evaporate or explode? Like either like, it's you're terrifying. gonna be crushed into nothing from all of the pressure because that's just what a black hole is, or it becomes a wormhole and it, it shoots you out somewhere else in the universe, which is probably as equally inhospitable to um, life. It's kind of hor- There's something horrifying about all the times there are characters flying into the abyss in this movie without any way to come back just screaming it's like mm-hmm. it's a little it's a little unnerving. yeah honestly that's how they kill off most of the characters yeah there's this. a lot of flying into the abyss going no either um flying up because there's no gravity to keep you on the ship or flying down which is falling <laughs> that's what falling is so mr arrow <laughs> falls into the supermassive black hole 
I'm so glad that I was able to get that in. I just thought of that. And he's gone. But uh, this is important. One, because uh, Captain Amelia has lost her right-hand man. To the Black Hole Sun. Okay, that's my last one, I promise. Um, But also, it was Jim's job to check everybody's safety lines but and, his lifeline was not secure. Yeah, but uh, screw up, you big fat spider liar. <laughs> <laughs> he, <laughs> he snapped it. Oh, snap. Scroop. <laughs> Scroop in the loop de loop. And, uh, um, but it does lead to what is certainly my favorite scene in the movie Mm. which is the conversation after all of this between silver and jim we joke about the line but it is a great line and it's delivered really beautifully by silver of the you've got the makings of greatness in you and what was it of uh i hope talking about like one day you're gonna like get your chance to shine or however he says it and I hope I'm there catching some of the light coming off of you that day. It's which a, is beautiful. It's a beautiful line. It's a beautiful sentiment. And like and I... It's de- and it's delivered so sincerely. Yeah. And so wonderfully. And like... And we see Jim kind of like bend with that. And like embrace him in that moment of... I have no one here except for you. And then you get to see a bit more of like Silver's like... Conflict of like... Uh... Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. This isn't good. And uh, because nothing good can last, and also this is just how story structure works, uh, mm-hmm. it all comes unraveling very shortly thereafter. Oh, and uh, mostly because we've met another character on this ship called Morph. Oh yeah, we haven't talked about Morph. No, so Morph <laughs> is about what you would think. He's a little a little cute pink blob with the silly little voice who, for the kids. Who, who, uh, who uh, morphs into different things and different people. Now, we won't go into it all the... It does become a plot point later. I, I was like, we're not going to go into all, all the plot holes of moments in this where you go, well, why don't you just use Morph to get out of this problem? It's like, nope. That that will be here all night. No, because we need to save using Morph as a plot device until it becomes actually worthwhile. <laughs> yeah, I can't do that. So Morph leads him into a barrel... And over this, he overhears our dastardly pirates talking about their mutiny. Yes, and how it's imminent, and but they have to wait and play it cool. Long story short, uh, Jim almost makes it clear of, of the galley uh, where this conversation was happening, but then Silver discovers him and realizes, oh no, Jim knows, or he's... he's He's heard enough. Um, so which is a pretty cool moment of like him realizing it without saying it and just very surreptitiously pulls his gun out behind his back, ready to be like, all right, well, if this is how it's going to be, hand tra- his, his, cyborg hand, hand his cyborg hand switches. pulls into a gun and it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. And like, it's like, it's it's a brief moment of like, well, I know obviously he's not going to kill him, but like, it's a brief moment of like, ooh, oh, whoa. Yeah. It's just got like dark real fast. Um. But uh, all hell breaks loose. Jim, Delbert, and Amelia um, run for the the lifeboats, the the skiffs that are the rowboats, the skiffs, whatever you call them on a spaceship. Um, <laughs> Space rowers. <laughs> the escape pods. Um, they're Basically. not. Basically, they're all like actual ships just flying in space. How does that work? <laughs> 
<laughs> the how are they protected movie. from there i didn't even really think about it until the very end when jim is on his like solar surfboard and he's flying around the boundary of the ship out in space and i'm like how are how are you breathing <laughs> well also why do they all wear like old tiny like naval pirate clothes because but they're in it's space treasure but they're in space but it's treasure island but it's space <laughs> in space in space exactly. treasure island in space why do they look like they're in our flag means death but in space i don't know but i'm i'm not mad about it <laughs> i mean it looks cool i'll give them that but yeah anyway uh uh where are we oh, mutiny they uh they super crash land on this uh, like turn uh, over yeah they they make it to treasure planet uh surprise um but yeah they their ship like in the crashing flips over like capsizes if you will and i'm like so they're all dead that's decapitation they've all been decapitated no they're fine amelia just has like a really bruised rib um yeah i know it's like (laughs) this big thing i'm like okay she bruised a rib she'll be fine or maybe she broke a rib. Also, like, I mean, not or to... Or she probably has be, internal bleeding. Yeah, nothing to be joked about. But no, no, no. It, but she is able to, like, stand at least for a little bit and can, you know, bark orders. Um, the injury tends to change by the minute. So yeah. It's like, okay. But uh, they crash land on... Dagobah. Uh, <laughs> on the uh, planet of treasure. And Jim goes off to, like, find an escape route or someplace to hide. And... We meet Ben, who is a robot who has been on this planet for a long time. These are the scenes and I, that if you cut all of these scenes, you could have devoted more to Silver and Jim. Yes. I forgot that this character existed. I forgot that this is what happened. This a clear attempt in the third act. That it's like they got scared and went, we need a new character for the kids. And we hit Martin Short. Again. Has been. Martin Short. Terrific comic actor. uh, Getting totally um, wasted in this movie. uh, Welcome back, Martin Short. Yeah, welcome back, Martin Short. One day we'll get you in a better part (laughs) on this show. Wait, what did we also see? We're back. He stubs the clown, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Once again... A, a useless character a useless introduced character in the third in, act. Yeah. Oh, God, man. Uh, I they, will say they, that Ben isn't entirely useless, but he is overused. He 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 is immediately canceled in 2022 because he comes right out and is like, I'm going to hug you. And it's like, uh-uh. Nope. Hands off. None of that. He has been alone for at least 100 years. Mm, no touchy. No touchy, Ben. I know. That is still true, but I also understand, like, hey, it's a living person. When he says no touching, no talking, got it. I was like, oh, it's just... Also, Ben is a robot. Oh, yeah. I don't remember if I said that, but Ben is a robot. Ben is a robot. At one point, he says, okay, no touching, no talking, you got it. I'm like, so it's just every white guy. It's like, hey. Uh, Anyway, so, but Ben might know the way to the treasure, but... He also has a part missing from the back of his head. Which is where most of his memory is stored. Mm-hmm. Uh, or at least his long-term memory. So, and, and then, so he can't remember. So we get Yoda, Dory, Batty, Coda, basically. Um, a little Popping bit. up here. Where just things are going off and he's a little all over the place. Um, but 
This will serve our, our plot forward of where the treasure is. We don't quite know. But then the pirates arrive. Yeah, and lots of standoffs and, oh, they think that Jim and company have the map, but this is where Morph comes into play. Uh, Morph pretended to be the map ball, uh, which means that the map is actually still on the ship. So in truly remarkable ease, uh, Jim steals the pirate crew's uh, skiff to go back to the pirate ship um, Very to quietly. get the map. But somehow the other pirates... No, the other pirates don't go up there, but... Um, uh, but Scroop is on the ship. Scroop the spider man... Um, Scroop the Spider-Man. <laughs> he's on the ship. Um, he's there. Uh, so we get a uh, surprise. Jim outwits him and sends Scroop flying up into the abyss of space. To which we get another die. character flying off going, no! And it's um, once again horrifying. Yeah. Uh, Shenanigans. They make they it get back the to the to the treasure planet and they all go on a treasure hunt and they find it. They find the treasure the, through a tre- a giant changing the, portal door. the pirates have ambushed them somehow. It's not explained. It doesn't I don't know. matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, they, get to like... the, they get to the portal, which will lead them to the center of the planet. It, it, it can lead anywhere, which is how they discover. This was really cool. This, like, is, this is a really cool detail. This is a cool concept that, once again, is not really explored all that much. Yeah, because the idea of the the portal and the, the little sphere, in addition to being a map to the planet itself, is also what activates this portal across the universe. Portals. Um and that detail isn't introduced until we meet Ben. I don't know. I just, I think it's a really imaginative thing of like, this is how, um, what's his name? Captain Flint uh, was able to, you know, steal and plunder from like literally all over the galaxy or mm-hmm. the universe, whatever the scale it is that we're talking about. And it's, you just literally just boop, press and they, a button and, and, they and they you can go anywhere. And that the treasure is on the center of this planet, which they just take the portal to. Um, and it's just a big old, a big old ball of gold. Like if you've seen, well, n- n- name your movie, The Mummy, n- name whatever movie you want with just a room full of treasure. Mm-hmm. I'm sure nothing can go wrong here. I was a little Alas. disappointed that all of the treasure in this fantastical sci-fi universe was just golden jewels. It, uh, were you thinking the same thing? I was like, it's all just like doubloons. It's, all... it's the stuff you would see in Treasure Island, which makes sense. And like, yeah, it's a shit ton of it. But it's <laughs> like, really, on this like planet with these spaceships and whatnot, they're all just searching for like gold coins. That's it? You couldn't have thought of something a little bit more original? Like, I know you have to balance it with They're us. all wearing pirate hats. Isn't I know, that enough? I know, but you have to balance it with us the audience our perspective and expectations of like what treasure is because they could have gone i mean i i feel like there's a happy medium in here I but you they said the treasure was the friends they made along the way i mean that's the real treasure oh got but it. the physical treasure it could be you know full of these fantastical uh futuristic sci-fi like gadgets or you know trinkets and things but we don't have any sort of clue 
us the viewers to what that is or like how much it might be worth but we see oh it's a shit ton of gold or what about this what about this if you wanted to keep the expectation of it being like piles of doubloons and gold all right our expectation of like oh oh it's a room full of treasure cool okay what if they're all in there and they all run up on it and then it like glitches out and then disappears and that's part of the booby trap was that like oh it's the image of that but really it's not there and this is where shit goes wrong and the lasers come in and like you know they're trying to kill them that might have been kind of interesting maybe but then where's the treasure exactly what is the treasure it's in the sequel this movie is not getting a sequel and we'll go into why later um, um but as you can probably guess this room is booby trapped and uh, there's more uh, in this case falling downward into an abyss of fire mm-hmm. um which we very cleverly never space. see them hit the fire yep unlike hunchback of notre dame nope um Hey yo, Tommy J. Uh, but the narrator cannot fall into the fire. No, for the he narrator is, the narrator. is a disembodied voice. He's uh, been out of the studio for days. He recorded that opening and was <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm done. But um, once again, all hell breaks loose. Uh, and it once again comes down to uh, Silver and Jim at a, you know, butting heads. And Silver really needing to choose... Finally, like once well, and for all, and right, I have to give up this treasure. And right before that, to save Jim, Jim has discovered Flint's ship, and he's gonna he's gonna basically hotwire that to get out. Which Silver sees and hops on, and is like, "Hey, buddy, what's up?" And this is where, like, we get another moment that I really do love of like where Jim's obviously like, you know, get the fuck back from me, bro. And it's just it's a really good shot of just like you can't see Silver's face; he's just looking down. And then he looks up and just like the vocal performance and the delivery and the way they shoot this moment. It's like, it's that moment of how quickly he can turn from me like, hey, buddy, to just, okay, and, look, yeah, I and, will kill you if I have to. And it was like, whoa. Yeah, I know. Right. That I it's caught a, that moment really as well good of moment. like, I like you, boy, mm-hmm. but I won't let you stand in the way of what I've searched for my whole Between life. Between me and me, treasure. But then but he has does, a very quick turnaround and it's like, I'm going to save Jim from falling into the fiery abyss. And he, uh, and it, it's just kind of a throwaway line of like, yeah, it's just a, a lifelong obsession. I'll get over it. I'll get over it. <laughs> Which on the one hand feels a little like a cop out, yeah. but also I kind of love. <laughs> they have to move on to more stuff real quick. Yeah, they have to move on and, you know, wrap up this thing um but also i feel like it's kind of in character for silver of like he he can get away with it he's, so, he's the only character you can get away he's with survived this long by being adaptable and it's yeah. like well the door has literally shut on on this lifelong obs- obsession where he's i've career- sacrificed parts yeah. of my body trying to find he's a career opportunist this is not going to stop right now yeah yeah and um and also, there's no way off of this planet right now, so it's like, well, I, uh, the prequel I have bigger... for this would be dark as hell. Seeing how he became a cyborg, yeah. yikes! Um, they all need to get out, but they the don't have is... the proper thrusting. Yeah, the ship gets damaged. They won't be able to clear the planet's atmosphere before the planet blows. But then Jim is like, "Hey, wait a minute! We have a portal open that can go literally anywhere. We should just send the ship Back through to the, the portal." Of the movie. But uh. But hey, the door is still open on the inside of the planet, which is about to explode. And he's like, I'm going to MacGyver together the shittiest solar surfboard. And uh, I'm going to fly ahead of the pirate ship. 
and open the gateway back home. I did love that moment where he's like putting it together and Silver's being like, what do you need? What do you need? And he yeah. like solders it together and is like, go. And it was like, oh, I love, like, it's stuff like that. I yeah. love like that sort of like the camaraderie they have. Yeah. No, I love that moment as well of like, okay, Jim has an idea. Jim knows what to do. And also like, I don't see any of you rest of the crew mm-hmm. coming up with ideas so here we go they let need, me they need to make that jump to light speed and yeah. they'll do it one way or another it's those types of moments where it's that unspoken trust between them and also silver's faith in jim that and if, and if you if you, that you if can you develop the movie around all of that this would have been really really cool yeah i, I that's the movie i want to see i wanted more of that i wanted more of that in where the the montage is see um, but, uh, they do it. They escape. They wind up back at the Crescent Moon spaceport, which I did have the thought of, is this explosion going to expand out of this portal? Yeah, and it kind of <laughs> does, and then it goes away. I was like, I really hope no one was around for that. Well, I'm like, I guess, oh, I'm just sailing through. Ah! Well, I guess the planet being destroyed would also destroy the map, which would then close the portal. Uh... I'll take your word for it. Sure. Uh, they we have to up, wrap this up. <laughs> they end up back at space at, at Mos Eisley Spaceport. Um, they get off. Everything's fine. Oh, and also, but before they land, Silver's making one last exit of like, well, I'm off. Uh, Jim helps him out because it's the least he can do after he saved his freaking life. Mm-hmm, he throws him a few doubloons to be like, give it to your mother to pay for the end that I might have burned down. Goodbye. That I definitely burned down. I'm so sorry. Um, be a good lad jim and take care of your mother <laughs> and it does make you just want to go i just want to follow the further adventures of long john silver now yeah uh he disappears off uh off into, into the, the space night and space uh, night isn't it always night <laughs> uh i mean it's always void and darkness space night uh, but uh silver gives morph to jim tells morph to stay with jim uh and uh Oh, also Amelia is like, hey, Jim, you've proven yourself well in this uh, life or death situation. I'm going to recommend you to the, like, the Royal Space Academy or whatever, because it ends with uh, Jim coming home and he's like a space cadet. He's a space cadet. Also, she really wants to get with the dog guy now. Yeah, that that's also a thing of uh, Captain Amelia and Delbert are, like, a thing. They're horn dogging it. Hmm. Uh, which I don't know how I feel about. It's most my hesitation is mostly because she's a cat person, and they're clearly different species. It'll never work out, except it does because they have kids, but no cat dogs. Unless, again, maybe they are the same species, and it is just sexual dimorphism. Or maybe they're just into different stuff. Who knows? Maybe I don't know. But the end is rebuilt. All is fine. Everyone's having a good time. Space Cadet Jim has found his meaning, looks up to the sky and sees Mufasa, a.k.a. Silver, in the clouds, looking down on him. Who looks a little like Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> like in cloud form? In cloud form. <laughs> like he's looking down and it's like, don't get Is that you? <laughs> oh, that would have been so much better. He looks up and it's like, is that Silver? No, that's Shrek. <laughs> what? 
How do you do it in my clothes? But yeah, it's all a big happy ending. Uh, Jim is in a much better place, and he he's gotten his act together. And Silver is off somewhere, presumably uh, being a pirate. A, now he's a rebel with a cause. And uh, Delbert and Amelia have their um, eclectic little family, <laughs> and uh, that's all. The loose ends have been tied up, <laughs> and there's been a lot of murder, but it's okay. Um, a lot of space murder. Yeah. But that's the movie. My last note that I wrote down was lots of death in the treasure trove. Lots of death in the treasure trove. Uh, and that is Treasure Planet. <laughs> uh, just to touch on some of the names I did not get to mention that are featured featured actors in this. Uh, we get the voices of some really infamous voice actors. Corey Burton is in here. Mike McShane. Uh, who else do we have here? We have Jack Angel, Bob Bergen, and Paul Lighting is in here as well. Phil Proctor, oh, yeah. D. Bradley Wait, who Baker. Does, who does Paul Lighting play? Uh, Paul Lighting plays Vern. I don't know. I don't which know one either. That is. I have to look that up. One of the pirates. I Paul, assume. you're great. We love you. Um, but yeah, really, really fantastic cast overall of some other people that also feature in this movie who are all amazing. Mm-hmm. So that was all. Uh, but that's Treasure Planet. So. What worked for us and what didn't work for us? Uh, in a nutshell, like we said, all of the character of Silver, I thought, was terrific. From the design to the animation to the performance to the writing was all terrific. Um, I thought we got some really great voice performances all around, really, just underutilized or not used so much. Uh, as much as I would have liked to have been seen, especially by some really terrific actors, the design overall has moments of looking really cool. Um, I'll give it that. Uh, as far as what didn't work, uh, pretty much everything else. The story is pretty by the book, pretty rote. The uh, characters don't really get a whole lot it to do. It is by the book. It is oh, it's, adapted. Yeah, but I don't know book. if it's really as good as the book. I'm not going to go that far. Um, it's... It's fairly one note. The characters are, for the most part, pretty forgettable. We didn't even talk about a lot of this crew that, like, not, you know, no one's fault. They just don't have a whole lot to do. Yeah, all of Martin Short's stuff, you could cut. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah, honestly, it doesn't. It really doesn't. Because you could just really find doesn't. the treasure trove, mm-hmm. stumble into the booby trap, and you realize, oh, there's a booby trap. It essentially never gets past the concept of, like, what if we put Treasure Island in space? And you're like, okay, cool. Anything else to that? No, that's about it. Are we going to develop this? Are we going to try to maybe change this up a bit or try to, like, you know, adapt some stuff? No, that's it. It's like you're on the water, but you're in space. So it's like, it's nothing really that's like, as opposed to, say, something like we've been talking about Atlantis, whereas, like, not a perfect film by any means, but Atlantis is at least taking some big risks and is taking some big storytelling and character chances to try to change things up and make it feel a little bit different even if it doesn't succeed all the time it's at least taking those risks this movie definitely felt a lot more safe and a lot more and aimed at a much younger audience too which i think didn't do any favors of it's like okay you're aiming for the kids but you're also not aiming for the kids and it it, you get this weird mishmash at the end and so yeah i guess overall i was just sort of like all right that happened i i don't really have i'm probably gonna forget that i watched this movie before i go to bed tonight to be perfectly honest um what about you yeah um 
I'm going to try not to repeat too many things, but I, I do need to re- mm-hmm. uh, reiterate how much I love the Silver and Jim mm-hmm. relationship. It is the beating heart of this movie. And honestly, I feel like that's why this movie hasn't fallen into complete obscurity is because that relationship is so strong and is so well-crafted. Um, I do agree that everything just kind of happens. I wasn't really invested in any of the action or anything like that. And, and again, have not read Treasure Island. I don't know if I would have the same reaction to the book. Um, but, uh, there's a a good number of side characters who either start out strong or get like really great moments, namely um, Captain Amelia and Delbert to mm-hmm. a certain extent. Yeah, definitely. Um, but who are either underused or misused sometimes. Um, yeah, they're almost entirely forgotten about, like for the latter half of this movie. Yeah, which is kind of weird, more so with Delbert because like he's. He's known Jim basically his whole life, mm-hmm. and he kind of disappears. But on the flip side, I guess the silver relationship does dominate things. You know what would have been kind of cool? I, I hate to interrupt, but you just reminded me of something of like, since, you know, Delbert is kind of taking that, you know, well, I'm not your father, but, you know, I've known your family for years and I'm friends with your mom, so I feel a responsibility to look after you. Now, silver takes that, obviously, and becomes the bigger thing there. That would have been kind of cool to see if, like, they had had, like, a face-to-face Oh, Delbert and Silver? Yeah, like, of maybe like, like maybe if Delbert was starting to get suspicious of Silver and, like, had a moment with him of just almost, like, yeah, of don't like, try he, anything. He's already had one father yeah. walk out on him. Which would be fun yeah. to see this character who's, you know, the funnier, weaker character, especially next to Silver, taking that stand where you're like, oh, yeah, he's funny, but he also does care about Jim. And Silver's seeing that, too, where it's like, okay, like... You can stand up to me. I respect that. Mm-hmm. You you care about the boy too, as do I. Like once again, this would have been kind of cool to see those dynamics play out a little bit more because we set it up mm-hmm. where he does care about him, but then we don't really get any of that later. Yeah. Um. Always give Emma Thompson more to do. Mm-hmm. Always in anything and everything that she is ever in. Um, Tish Tosh. <laughs> Only she can deliver that line with such. I a love form. her in this so much. Um. She's very good at her job. I think, uh, I actually really liked the design and the look of this movie a lot. Um, for all of our, like, why is it just a, a ship ship that's flying in space? <laughs> it's a space. ship ship. A ship ship flying through space. <laughs> and not a spaceship. It's a ship ship. Um. In ship ship, in, in ship ship shape. But, uh, for all of that, I dug it. It looks cool. I like it. The aesthetic is very cool. And I think that the... I actually thought that the CG animation with the 2D animation mostly worked. There were mm-hmm. some moments where it's like, eh, this looks a little funky. But on the whole, I, I think it 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 meshes together well. And a lot of that is just like what was available at the time yeah. as well. Um, um, but yeah, it's a very cool aesthetic. Silly at times, but cool. But cool. Mm-hmm. You're right. Shall we jump to revised grades? Yes. Would you care to start? What did I start with? I my you started at a B minus. Yes. I started at a B minus. I think I'm going to leave it there, and it is going to stay in the B's as opposed to dropping down into the C's purely on the strength of the relationship between Jim and Silver. 
Interesting. Um, I would rewatch this movie for that. And probably for no other reason. <laughs> Skip all the other stuff. Yeah. Um, I think that that elevates it. Not any higher into the bees, but I was very much a fan of that dynamic in their relationship. Nice. So that's where it shall stay. I started at a C plus. I'm going to drop it to a C. And the reason I'm not dropping it to a C minus is because of what you said. Their dynamic is spectacular. I love their relationship throughout. And like I said before, I love the design and performance and character of Silver. Really saves this movie from just falling into complete obscurity. All that being said, like, yeah, it, it's a solid C. Like, it's just, it's such an average, it's a painfully average movie. It is, it's fine. Which is really unfortunate, because when you would see the poster or the designs for this, you'd go, whoa, like, yeah. there's something really cool here. And the and the end product is, yeah, it's very, it's just very middling in my book. I, I was just, I was wondering, because I looked back at our old grades for Atlantis, just to kind of look as a reference point. We both ended with a B minus for Atlantis. So I found that interesting that you now you don't have to change it. I just I just I just wanted the clock that. I thought did I end with a B minus? I thought it was like higher in the Bs. Um let me look back. I, I, I was taking track of this. I mean it could day. be. I I don't remember. <laughs> uh, oh wait, no. I'm I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You're right. I had a B minus. You had a B plus for Atlantis. Yeah. That makes sense for me also comparatively between yeah. those two movies. I was going to say that makes more sense because I know that you liked Atlantis more than you liked this. Yeah, though I am, I do question that final grade for Atlantis, but we're not here to talk about it we're now. We're not here to talk about that. We're talking about a different movie. We're talking about Treasure mm-hmm. Planet and... But yeah, so I'll, I'm going to end with a C because outside of that and some other performances and some cool aesthetic choices it's everything else is pretty it, it it goes to average to just bad um but it is it, it is held up on the strength of that relationship and that character yeah. so it's a c it's a solid c yeah it's it's fine it's fine um if uh if you like me have a pirate shaped hole in your heart after our flag beans death and you just need a pirate fix you could do much worse than this movie you could go watch cutthroat uh, island I, as I said, you could do much worse than Treasure Planet. Bad dog. Oh, God. Why? Why? I might watch that before I watch this, but maybe not. I don't know. It depends. Oh, no. I would watch this a the million times Silver before and I Jim's relationship in this is far more realistic than any relationship in Cuthbert Island. No. Um, By far. There you have it, folks. Um, uh, very quickly, just wanted to do a numbers game for you here. Uh, we've been talking about this movie and why it didn't get a sequel. Well, here's why. This movie cost $140 million to make. Estimated. That's why they couldn't give Jim's dad a face. Because they already <laughs> spent it all on everything else. Nope. Absentee dad don't get no face now. Um, so that's what it came in at in the early 2000s. Also, this movie had apparently been in development for over 10 years. I, I buy that. I which makes that. sense. Uh, needless to say, the opening weekend was, in the U.S., was 12 million. 12. What was this up against uh, that at the is box a, office? That is a very good question. Was it, uh, speaking of Spider-Man. 
Spider-Man. This did come out the same year as the first uh, Tobey Maguire. Are you telling me that one Spider-Man beat another Spider-Man in a Spider-Man competition? Maybe. This is entirely possible. I'm finding out right now. <laughs> I don't know. I just th- what it oh 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 here it is here it is here it is. It grossed over 12 million on its debut weekend coming in fourth place. Wow. Oof. What was ahead of it? Uh Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Okay, so this was released later in the year. Yes. Uh Die Another Day, a uh, latter-day Bond movie, and The Santa Claus 2. I do understand Oof. that ranking. As far as like box it, it, office it looks draw, like, it looks like it came out over the Thanksgiving holiday weekend. That's rough. Yeah, especially like you are bringing your family to the movies. Are you gonna go see Harry Potter or Treasure Planet in two thousand two? Oh, and there was a there there was a planned franchise behind this that obviously never happened officially on the books. There was a planned franchise though, um, but. Uh, very quickly, it ended with a U.S. gross of thirty-eight million, and a worldwide gross of a hundred and ten million. So that's rough, buddy. Uh, this movie could have been on flick flops. It was not. Yeah, we already had this scheduled for a regular episode mm-hmm. before we came up with flick flops. But not to worry, I won't spoil what our next flick flops is. But if you thought this movie was a flop, the next one we talk about on flick flops makes this one look like titanic in comparison i i'm not even joking but that's for another time anyway but uh this movie is okay and watch it if you want and we you do you and we've said this a lot but i think because it bears repeating and i believe we both agree on this that it is worth watching for that relationship i mean there's a lot to hate about this movie there's a lot of stuff that doesn't work and there's a lot you can skip over but watch it for these scenes between these two characters because it really is quite well done for a movie that you wouldn't think would have a relationship that deep. So if you're looking for that, if you want a little bit of love in there, especially if you've just finished Our Flag Means Death and you need a little bit of love in your life, <laughs> go check that out um, and skip everything else. Um, but uh, if you have been liking this episode, liking the show as a whole, uh, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review if that is possible on the app with which you listen to this show we'd really appreciate it uh if you want to follow the show on social media uh you can follow us on twitter and instagram at what a movie pod uh if you want to follow me on twitter and instagram i am at nicole knutson 16 on both of those platforms and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the real J Ferrero. That's real with two E's and Ferrero is in Ferrero Rocher. And uh, it is now the early uh, hours of the morning that we are uh, recording this sign off. So good morning or good night or good day whenever you are listening to this. And stay tuned for that upcoming Flip Flops episode. And stay tuned for our next uh, actual episode, which will be coming out a little bit later, in which we will delve into the world of one of the most famous bands of the 1990s. That's next. But until then, this will be fun. I'm James Ferrer. And I'm Nicole Knudsen. And what what a a movie. movie!
You still got the makings of greatness in you. 